Well, it is my rotation to sing. <laughs> and I know that all of you know that I never talk when I'm up here, and I'm going to sing this song because it gets me all shook up, and I can't concentrate and do what I'm supposed to do. But um, this song is totally not the direction I was going to go today. And I uh, came in this morning, and I thought, well, I'll go through it one time, make sure I don't mess it all up. But um, you know this song, and you can sing along with me, and I hope you will because... I'm not sure I'll make it through it again. Um, so it was um, put in my heart today to sing the song. From um, On our property, we have a um, little shop that has been an apartment at one time. It needs a lot of work. And the siding on the outside was just rotting off. And I was like, oh, we got to do something because we won't even be able to use it for storage if we don't do something quick. So I found this fella. Um, on the internet, and he and his wife came yesterday to be to start on this project that we're doing. And when I went out to meet them and greet them, because I'd never met them before, <laughs> this little guy, he was just stumbling around and staggering around. I thought, what is going on? He couldn't put one foot in front of the other without, you know, I thought, well, you know what you think when things like that happen. <laughs> and so I went over and I met them, and um, we got to talking, and he was telling me, that a year and a half ago, he had broken his back. He couldn't feel anything from his chest down and still can't. And this man, y'all, was walking around like, well, not like you and me, but like somebody who had not broken his back but maybe just had some kind of palsy. And I, I thought to myself, he's out here working on my house doing this out of desperation, these people had lost everything, everything they have. And I started thinking about that, and I just, it broke my heart, because I thought, well, he's doing that. Oh, you know, messed up with his back, and he found out a way to, to walk again, and he totally gave glory to God. He totally did. He said, you know, I wouldn't be walking around today if it hadn't been for the Lord. And so I was praising the Lord with him because I thought maybe God had put them in my path. These people are homeless. They're going from one place to the other every night, trying to find a place to go, to stay. Sometimes it's an Airbnb or sometimes it's a hotel. I mean, last night they stayed in the hotel. And I thought to myself, what kind of Christian would I be if I didn't reach out to these people and try to help them as much as I could? Because this man gets up every day depending on God to get him out of bed every day. And we don't even do that. As Christians, a lot of us that are able-bodied and have jobs and have the Lord takes care of us all the time. I just believe that he's taking care of them too, just maybe in a different way. And so if you can sing this song with me, please do, because I'm a complete mess. And I'm sure I'll mess it up, but... Um, me while I sing this song because I don't know if I can get through it without this. So anyway, please do pray for them. Their last names is Harrington and they're very sweet people and they're just trying to make it in life.
Praise the Lord. Most of you all know uh, Brother Derek, and he is our next-gen pastor. Uh, he does a lot, and he does an awful lot around the church. And uh, I'm uh, thankful to be able to hear from him occasionally. And so I'm going to take a moment and pray over him, and uh, then uh, we'll let him turn it loose. Father, we thank you for this good day. Thank you, Lord, for Brother Derek and, and for his ministry for his testimony. Thank you, Lord, for the work that he produces here at the church. Lord, I just pray, God, this morning that you put your hand upon him. Lord, I pray that as you were with him in preparation, you'll be with him now in his presentation. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would be evident uh, in his work, but, God, that we would also see his evidence among us as he provides for us illumination and guidance and direction. Lord, I pray that you would just work in a mighty way Bless us and teach us this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, preacher. Amen. Well, I tell you what, I don't know how it keeps working out this way, but I sure do love it when Miss Robin's song lines up with my day. <laughs> oh, me. Give me just a second here. I should unlock this before I come up here. Just want to say thank you all for, uh, for, for being here this morning. Thank you all for allowing me to, to be up here. I'm beyond grateful. And uh, I'm going to do things a little different than I normally do this morning. We're going to cover a passage of scripture that uh, I recently covered with our uh, students on Sunday nights, okay? Um, and so you're going to get a, a preached Bible lesson essentially this morning. I hope that's okay. You'll basically get a flavor, a slightly more excited, perhaps, flavor of what we, what we normally do in our, uh, in our Sunday night class, okay? So um, I hope that that's okay with everybody. But um, if you would, go ahead and begin turning to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, and we're going to begin in verse 40. That's Luke chapter 8. And once you arrive there, I'd like to go ahead and invite you to stand up. 
in honor of the reading of the word of God. Verse number 40, it begins, And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house, for he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him, And a woman having an issue of blood for 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood staunched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? And when all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her. But he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And he put them all out and took her by the hand and called again, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, it's our prayer today, Father, that our faith would be multiplied. That you would take what we have and turn it to your good. Lord, be with us as we navigate this passage for the truth and make us open and available to the influence of the Holy Spirit. Father, we're excited to look back today and to say, look at what our God did. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So that was a lengthy passage of scripture. I apologize, but... Um, before I did any study whatsoever uh, for this passage, I, uh, I realized that you have to have all those 16 verses go together, okay? And so uh, we, we did stand up for all of them, but uh, it's all part of the same story, so we had to take it as a whole. So let's give a little context, okay? So here in Luke chapter 8, uh, we, we see the beginning is the parable of the sower, right? Jesus is speaking to the multitude, and uh, as the multitude presses in on him, as he's on the, the edge of the lake there, uh, he climbs into a boat, crosses the lake. He's asleep in the bottom of the boat when a storm blows up and the disciples become afraid. They go down and they say, Jesus, wake up. And, and he wakes up and says, oh, ye of little faith, you know, and speaks peace under the storm. And so they get to the other side and uh, into the land of the Gadarenes. 
And uh, there he meets the Gadarenean maniac, right? That's what we've heard him call before. He's the man that is possessed of uh, the legion of demons. They say, call us legion, right? Because we are many. And so there he cast out those demons. I'm giving you the fast forward version if you can't tell. Can you tell? <laughs> there he cast out uh, that legion of demons into the swine there. And they drove off the cliff over uh, into the water. And then uh, the man who is no longer a maniac, right, he's cleaned up, he's saved, he's whole, he's clothed, and he's sitting in front of Jesus, and, and uh, the people come to see what has happened, and they're so afraid, they're Gentiles, so they, they don't even really know of Jesus. They've heard rumors probably, but they don't know him. And, and, and there he is having worked this miracle that is outside of their comprehension, and they're so afraid that they, they beg him on the verge of threatening him to leave, okay? And so Jesus climbs back in the boat, and he crosses back over the water, and that's where we pick up our narration in verse 40. So that's what's been going on here. I want to just point out something interesting. Uh, the first thing that I notice in verse 40 is that the people, they gladly receive Jesus, okay? They... they, they expectantly awaited the presence of Jesus. And, and what a beautiful picture that is. Don't you think that, that they sat there expectantly waiting Jesus? I find it so, so interesting because uh, what, what if we spent our days from that same perspective? What, what if our life was lived expectantly awaiting the, the coming of our Savior? What would our lives look like? Would they look any different? What if we spent our days uh, making our decisions differently perhaps? Or, or would our actions be more kingdom-minded? That, that's a beautiful picture. The, the church, the, the worldwide church, the body of Christ, should be the bride that awaits the bridegroom to come. That was free, not part of the sermon. You're welcome. <laughs> but here I want, to, uh, I want to actually pick up and begin... I want to call your attention first to the approach of Jairus. Now, before we go any further, I should, I should warn you. Uh, my students have looked at me a, a couple of times kind of funny. I have said this name <laughs> because of some complications of my own. Uh, I have said this name, Jarius, about 30 million times, okay? So if you hear Jarius, what I mean is Jairus, okay? So just giggle and, and know who I'm talking about. So... <laughs> The approach of Jairus, Jairus approaches Jesus to seek healing for his 12-year-old daughter, even though he shouldn't. You see, Jairus is a layman in the synagogue. He's a businessman in the community. He's someone who handles uh, uh, spiritual matters and financial matters there in the synagogue. It, it's kind of like a, uh, a deacon, okay? And so here is this ruler of the synagogue and, and who's he going to? He's going to Jesus, the number one radical figure at the time in that area, the number one hated enemy of the synagogue. He shouldn't be there. So, so it would almost be like one of our deacons going to a Benny Hinn conference to be healed, okay? That, that, is, uh, that, is, uh, that would not be approved, okay? That is not kosher with us. So uh, this also would not have been kosher with the Hebrew people. Uh, he, 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 he was risking something by showing up. Uh, the Jews are not going to approve of him going outside of the synagogue, then outside of the medical community, 
and finally to one of their number one hated enemies, begging Jesus to come and save his daughter. So Jairus shows faith here. And it seems to be a fairly large amount of faith. He's breaking the spiritual and social norms of the day to, to approach this figure. He's putting his position and perhaps even the safety of his family at risk to save his daughter from death. An understandable, an understandable decision. So Jesus decides to go with Jairus to see and to save his daughter. But as he goes, the, the multitude presses in uh, against Jesus. The actual word used here in our text is thronged. That word thronged is a very strong word. It actually uh, could be better translated perhaps to smother or to choke. And so, so the crowd is so pressed against Jesus that they're choking off the path. They're smothering him as he moves forward. These same people who, who uh, so, so awaited the Savior are now choking him from his movement perhaps to stop him from moving or, or simply to touch him, to be in contact with him. And so the second thing I want to call your attention to here is the, the arch of the sick woman, okay? The arch of the sick woman. As the crowd chokes Jairus and Jesus' path forward, a woman is highlighted in the text here for the first time. And you see, she's, she's been sick for 12 years. And I, I just find that an interesting detail. You see, Jairus' daughter is 12 years old. She's lived 12 years of happy, healthy life. And here we see this woman who is some nondescript age older than 12, but she has had an issue of blood for 12 years, okay? Is this a coincidence? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think God works in coincidences, okay? This is, this is a day that has been planned from the beginning of time that was recorded so that we could look at it here, okay? And so this woman has exhausted all of her options. She's been to uh, every doctor. She spent all of her life savings doing her best to be cured, all to no avail. And without going into too great of detail, she would have suffered from the blood loss of anemia. She would have been weak and disoriented unto the point of fainting. She would have had to restrict her daily activity. Not only this, but she would have had to deal with near constant severe pain. And then, of course, living in the Hebrew culture that way exacerbated the issue. She would have been marked as unclean, which meant she would have had to live outside of normal society. She couldn't come into contact with anyone. So not only was she in pain and too weak to fend for herself, but the society that was around her cast her out because she was sick. She was marked unclean. To touch another individual who was not unclean would be to make them unclean. That's the way it worked. So here she is, a pariah, but, but she comes sneaking through this crowd, archly making her way to reach Jesus. And she didn't want to be seen. That's why she snuck. She, she didn't want to be known, but she knew she needed a Savior. And so, so we can picture her shoving her way through the choking crowd, fighting to get to Jesus, not to gain his attention. It was different than Jairus. It wasn't to gain the attention of Jesus. No, she knows that she's unworthy. She's aware that she's unclean. 
And she knows that she's undeserving. But she had faith. That could, could she just touch the tassel of his garment? That she'd be healed. Can you imagine it? Can you see the great faith of this woman? As she touches his tassel, immediately she's healed. Not later, not after three doses, okay? But as soon as she makes contact, immediately, no more pain. No more suffering. No more feeling faint. The joy she must have felt at her success, but it's short-lived. We see in verse 45 that Jesus stops his forward motion and says, who touched me? <laughs> Go with me, if you would, into your uh, glorified imagination with me, okay? Because from, from the progress of this text, we can, we can get a better picture of how this happened, okay? So here, here's this joy-filled, healed woman that's suddenly terrified hearing her Savior ask that question, but, but because she comes forward later, Jesus must have seen her. So not only, not only did he stop, but he turned around and he looked at her and he said, somebody touched me. And so she, she's terrified, right? The, the disciples speak up and say, what, what do you mean somebody touched you? Peter said, Jesus, the, the, the crowd, thousands of people are touching you. What are you talking about? Of course somebody touched you. He said, no, somebody touched me because I felt my power leave me. So this woman, here she is, trembling, knowing, knowing she's found out, fearing she's going to be struck or put to death for being unclean and touching someone. She falls at the feet of Jesus, just like Jairus, and, and spilling her insides, she tells Jesus and everyone around her of her sickness, her plan, and the result of it. Then Jesus answers her, daughter, go in peace. Your faith has made you whole. She was healed. She was saved. And her great faith and the grace of the Savior rescued her from a life of sickness and pain to a life eternal in the family of Jesus Christ. He called her daughter. She went from being a nobody, completely unnamed. We'll never know who she was until we get to glory. But Jesus identified her as daughter. What a beautiful thing. And so all this time, Jairus would have been standing to the side and, and he would have observed this. And I can't help but imagine that that he's impatient to get the healer to his house, okay? His daughter's dying. He knows this. So, so he's dealt with some form of impatience. And then I can also imagine his faith uh, that, that started a little smaller, perhaps, than, than the great faith of the sick woman, growing as he watched this whole encounter take place. And as he praises and, and perhaps even urges them forward, someone comes from his house and says, your daughter's dead. Don't, don't trouble the master. Don't bother the teacher. She's dead. And, and all of this hope, all of this urge, all of this worry, it falls into this, this pit of despair. 
The very thing he feared, the very thing he went for has happened. And now it's too late. And I can easily imagine that despair turning into anger. We often deflect our sadness into anger, don't we? And he becomes angry at Jesus for stopping and talking to this nobody. He becomes angry at the multitude for pressing in and stopping their way. And he becomes angry at the woman for, for, for distracting Jesus. But more than anything, he's angry at himself. Because he failed the mission. And as he begins to spiral, our Jesus looks at him and says some very simple words. He says, fear not. Believe only. Fear not. Believe only. Jairus has just watched an unclean individual be healed by her faith. But how does this affect him? In this moment, what is he thinking of? And we don't know. But we do know that he had faith enough to continue forward and carry Jesus and his disciples in tow. And here we see the third and final point, the arrival of the master. Jesus walks to the home and he finds there a, a group of mourners. Peter, James, John, Jesus, and Jairus and his wife all enter into the house. People are gathered there wailing at the loss of one so young. Their family friend is dead. And Jesus, in compassion, looks at them and says, Weep not. She is not dead. She sleepeth. And all of a sudden, the mourners become scorners. They point and they laugh, saying, Wow, does he really just think that she's sleeping? What an imbecile. Let me warn you this morning, in my short experience, Mourners often become scorners. Society stands and mourns openly for these minorities in our social and class structure. How uh, some are treated. When oftentimes they're being treated fairly as a human individual. And those same mourners will quickly turn to scorners when we stand up and say truth from the word of God. Or stand our ground in what we believe. But don't be afraid of the scorners. But do what Jesus did. You know what he did? He said, everybody out. He put them all out. <laughs> he put them all out. Don't be distracted by scorn because Jesus surely wasn't. Jesus knew that the little girl was dead to this world. But Jesus is the master of this world. He created that little girl. And he's the master of, of every world hereafter. To him, she's just asleep. It's a simple thing. And you know what he did? He does what one does to sleeping people. After they left, he reached down, he grabbed her hand, and he said, Maid, arise. Or, little girl, wake up. And she sits up immediately, like out of a, out of a, a nap, out of a slumber. Straightway, it says. Now, Jesus commands that they, they give her something to eat. And her parents are astonished at what has happened, as they have every right to be. 
And he instructs them all to tell no one what they've witnessed here, which at first glance seems incongruous with ministry, right? The whole point is for everybody to know. But there's a very simple explanation. The multitude's choking his way. He, he can't get anywhere. He can't do anything. So he says, don't tell anybody about this. Because he didn't want to add to the tens of thousands that were already there. Of course, we know that they did a bad job of keeping silent. Otherwise, Luke wouldn't have later been able to pin this, and we know about it. Okay. But it's the very next verse, the first verse in chapter 9, where Jesus, he, he, he commands his disciples to go out in his name, healing the sick and casting out demons. He enlisted help. He said, this job's too big for one man. Y'all been learning long enough. Time to do it yourself, boys. Okay? And so here we are. We're at the end of this passage, and, and, you, and you're saying, what a, what a beautiful story from Scripture. How, how many great parallels there are there. But what, what, what's the point here? I, I'd like to draw your attention to some comparisons. Jairus was a rich leader in the community. Yet the woman was deemed unclean, and we don't even know her name. Jairus begged openly for the help of Jesus, while the sick woman sought his help secretly. Jairus experienced 12 years of joy with a daughter that was now dying, while the sick woman had experienced 12 years of pain and shame. Jairus expected effort out of Jesus for his miracle, while the woman wanted nothing of him but to touch his garment. Jesus responded to the woman immediately, but responded to Jairus after that delay. Jairus' daughter was raised secretly, while the sick woman was healed publicly. Jairus approached Jesus with faith, as did the sick woman. So as, we're, as we look at these comparisons, I believe that we can draw a couple of conclusions here, okay? Jesus doesn't care about how wealthy we are or how poor we are. He doesn't care whether we're sick or whether we're whole. Our Savior is not a respecter of persons. Praise the Lord. But by His grace, He will work in the life of anyone that approaches Him in faith. What, what, a, what a beautiful truth. No matter who we are, if we approach Jesus in faith and our, our will, our desire, our need aligns with his will, he answers it. What, what a beautiful truth. Praise the Lord that he doesn't need to see our bank account before he helps us. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Amen. I also see the great faith of this woman. We know from Luke chapter 7 that the centurion sent someone to Jesus to, to call him up. Come to the house. But before he got there, he sent somebody else to say, Jesus, don't come to the house. Okay. Uh, uh, I, the centurion, speaking for him, I'm not worthy to have you in my house. I'm, I'm not worthy that you should come. I'm not even worthy to talk to you. That's why I sent other people. But, but I know that if you say it, it will be done. And guess what? He, his servant was healed like that immediately. The Bible says the same hour. And so we know what Jesus is capable of. 
No doubt Jairus showed faith in asking Jesus to come and putting his life and well-being on the line, but the sick woman knew that she needed saving, but only wanted to touch the tassel of his garment. Her great faith and her action on it achieved a miracle in her life. So here it is. I believe that many of us today, perhaps myself included at times, only experience intermittent moments of faith that look like Jairus' did. We have a need. We fall down at the altar in the feet of Jesus and we ask Him to work a miracle. And He does. There are unspoken numbers of miracles represented here by you and I in this room today. But, but what if we had the audacity? What if we had the nerve to reach out and grasp the tassel of his garment, figuratively, of course? What if we lived every day dependent upon the contact of Jesus for everything in our life? Some of the most miraculous times in my short life have been when I joined hands with somebody else and prayed, Father, we need your power. We reach up and grab onto you, Lord. We need you. Miss Robin played a moment ago. Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. I don't know where you are in your life this morning. But how many times have you been at the bottom of a pit? with no hope in sight, in great despair, spiraling out of control. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're about to fall into one. Maybe you just got out of one. But somebody needs Jesus this morning. And I can promise you that he is readily available to you. As Miss Robin comes to play, I want to present this challenge. I truly believe that great faith on our part is required for being active, effective members of the body of Christ. So let's reach up in faith this morning and let's claim our dependency on Jesus and take into the community with us and watch the hand of God move. Stand with me as I pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the grace that you've shown each and every person in this room. I know that should our needs and desires line up with your word, that you will reach out and work in our lives. And so this morning, Lord, we reach up in faith and ask that you'd work miraculous things within our midst, Lord. Give us the strength and the bravery and the faith to truly live for you. We ask these things in Jesus' holy name.
would you look this way just for a minute? Thank you so much. Brother Derek, thank you for the word this morning. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for your attention and your attendance. I hope you'll come back and be with us tonight. Good night of family fellowship and singing and ice cream and all kinds of fun things. But I hope that you'll come and be a part of our faith family tonight. If you're visiting with us, we thank you so much for your visit. I hope that you felt at home and welcome today because you are. And I hope that you'll continue to give us opportunities. Let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we are so grateful, so thankful, Lord, for the blessings of this day. God, we're so thankful for your truths this morning. Lord, I pray that as we depart, that we would not do so mindlessly, but rather, Lord, that we would meditate on the truths that we've heard this morning. That we would discover, no matter what condition we're in, Jesus is the answer. No matter how far we feel like we've gone, Jesus is the answer. No matter how desperate the situation seems, Lord, that we would know that Jesus is the answer. And Lord, I pray that we would have faith and only believe. God, I pray you'd bless the rest of our morning together. And Lord, we pray that you'd go with us as we depart. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you this morning. Amen.